Hello, everyone. This is your host, SAR First Class Arslan Khan with the Warrant Officer Recruiting Company. And today we'll be exploring the 351 Mike Warrant Officer Military Occupation Specialty. Our special guest is none other than CW4 Christopher Delgado from the United States Army Special Operations Command. And he will be talking to us about what it means to be a human intelligence warrant officer in the 351 Mike Warrant Officer Specialty. Chief, thank you so much for joining us today, and we are excited to hear your input on all the different ways that the 351 Mike Warrant Officer Specialty uh, contributes to mission accomplishment. Glad to have you, sir. Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences as a warrant officer and how you feel about serving in your warrant officer specialty? I've been very lucky in my Army career. As a staff sergeant, my battalion commander recognized my potential to serve the Army and strongly recommended that I should apply to become a warrant officer. I told him I thought I wasn't ready, and he basically told me too bad and to put my packet in. Well, 12 years later, here we are, um, as I've just uh, been promoted to uh, Chief Warrant Officer 4. I've been lucky enough to serve in a Forces Command, um, Intelligence Security Command, an Army Service Component Command, and now at U.S. Special Operations Command. I have managed tactical human collection operations and strategic human collection operations in Africa, Afghanistan, Central and South America. Um, that includes support to uh, special operations units. I love being a warrant officer. It has been the best thing to happen to me and to my career. I feel like I'm u uniquely placed to provide that critical human intelligence expertise to the the two, you know, the senior intelligence officer of the command and to the commander. Uh, no, nowhere else um, I feel that I, I could be better placed. For the potential applicant listening, we've asked questions that most of us have when deciding to pursue a career as a human intelligence warrant officer. And we would like to delve into some of these questions and get your take on some of the most crucial questions we all want to know. Let us begin by asking, uh, what do warrant officers in your specialty do in a normal span of a duty day when they start out as a new warrant officer in the cohort, and how do those responsibilities evolve into more responsibilities later on? After uh, rigorous training and graduation from the uh, warrant officer basic course at Fort Huachuca, most uh, W01s will be assigned to uh, BCTs at Forcecom as either the S2X technician in the brigade, S2, or as the OMP chief at the MICO. It's highly recommended that uh, new W01s get rated time of at least 12 months in both positions. As a W01, you're considered a technical and expert and leader in the human community. However, you must continue to learn and grow as not only a military intelligence officer, but as a human professional. There is much learning and growing even as a W01. You will do this by learning things such as how to plan and direct human training, build SOPs, train and mentor uh, the NCOs and soldiers, and how to build relationships with your peers, your subordinates, your officers, and senior NCOs. Every day your credibility is on the line, and you will be assessed not only by your soldiers, but, the, but by the NCOs that you must depend on to execute the, the tasks and assign missions. 
Once you sex successfully complete your W01 time and hopefully commissioned as a CW2, you will get the opportunity to serve in other force gum units, um, such as division or higher headquarters, or you may be assigned to uh, INSCOM or Army Service Component Command, such as U.S. Army Europe, U.S. Army Africa, U.S. Army Central, and so forth. Um, you may also be, get the opportunity to serve um, in a combat training center such as JRTC and NTC. I think the key thing with going from your initial W01 assignment to CW2 and higher is that the individuals you need to build relationship in order to do your job generally become a higher rank. Um, so instead of dealing with, say, captains uh, and majors, you'll deal with lieutenant colonels. Uh, colonels and sergeant majors. The person you work for directly uh, usually goes from a first lieutenant captain to a major or lieutenant colonel. I will say that as a W01 and junior CW2 in my initial force com uh, assignment in the first armor position, first armor division, um, I attended many meetings with my then brigade commanders who both now happen to be general officers. So even then, I had to be prepared to be professional and give sound technical advice at all times. Um, I've briefed uh, general officers and flag officers from, from uh, other services and regularly interact with lieutenant colonels and colonels. So all human technicians have to be prepared to do this as they continue their careers. Thank you for that insight, sir. Uh, why should someone pursue this type of commission and what are some of the benefits they take in to the civilian world? I think it's critical. Um, as I stated before, warrant officers are very uniquely placed to be that linkage between the NCOs who execute the, the missions and the tasks and the officers that direct it. And um, as I'll get into later, the, Generally, officers don't have the amount of knowledge on a specific intel discipline or a specific field such as warrant officers. So when you're being asked a very important question that would potentially, you know, impact a commander's decision, you know, oftentimes it's the warrant officers going to provide, you know, that level of fidelity that say, hey, sir, ma'am, this is, you know, these are your, your legal boundaries. This is what you can and can't do, and this is these are my recommendations. It's all about relationships and credibility. You know, if if you don't have that established, then you know you're not going to be able to provide that message, and they're not going to take you seriously. Um, I think, you know, those relationships and credibility um, can have kind of a, a you know second or third order effect. You never know that major or captain that you, you know, briefed or interacted in a positive manner may be, you know, a boss someday or may choose to get out of the army and become a, you know, a DOD or DA civilian. You know, they, they may get a job such as, you know, DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, you know, as a, as a civilian. And, you know, if you're looking to get out, you know, after you complete your time, and you're looking to to continue your intelligence career, you never know the the person on that hiring panel, you know, may be, you know, that major or that captain. Uh, so you already have an advantage knowing the people that work in those fields. Uh, the thing about human is the field is extremely small. Everyone knows someone who knows everyone else, if that makes sense. Um, 
you know, getting getting certifications such as you know source operations course, uh, SOC defense strategic debriefing course, DISDIC or um, defense advanced tradecraft course, DATSI will enhance not only your current army career, but can be used in a potential uh, civilian uh, human capacity as well. Wow, that's great to hear. Uh, as a young staff sergeant working in the human field, uh, what advice would you give them on what types of jobs they need to start working on uh, towards, you know, in their enlisted careers that will help them to achieve a commission as a 351 Mike warrant officer? The biggest things I look for when assessing the potential of uh, human NCOs when they tell me they want to become a warrant officer is is how they do in their leading and training aspect of, of being a non-commissioned officer. Um, have they been an HCT leader? Have they worked as an OMT NCOIC? Um, you know, if so, how, how they perform? How have they done in these jobs? You know, what, what was their accomplishments? What did the team accomplish because, you know, of their leadership? You know, as far as training, you know, what training events ha have they conducted? You know, have they led or um, acted as cadres? To me, the HCT and the OMT are, are the bedrock of human, you know, and effectiveness in these jobs really stands out to me. If the NCO has not had the opportunity to do either one of these jobs, then my job as senior officers to help him or her, you know, and, and get their advice and recommendation, not only to the NCO, but also to, to the chain of command and the NCO support channel and help them. You know, as as we continue to help and groom our NCOs, maybe you know that that's the push that they the they need in order to get them uh, give them opportunities to perform in one of these jobs. Um, the other thing that I look at is the units and echelons that the NCOs worked in. Um, I have known NCOs who have worked in a MICO, at an INSCOM Theater Intelligence Brigade, um, at TRADOC as an instructor, or even NCOs at at a command command. I think it's extremely advantageous for an NCO to have worked for SCOM and at one of these other echelons. Um, to me, tactical collection and and collection management has significant differences when you're looking at strategic collection and you know and and how that is managed. Even an NCO who's had straight Forcecom assignments is they're actually in a good spot. They generally have excellent experience either deployed. Or they have conducted uh, multiple CTC rotations, and the, the the CTCs are are have been really well done as far as how um, they're kind of interfacing human with the intelligence warfighting function and how that applies to to the scenario. So, you know, it's not only about experience, but also like you know, what type of broadening. Has this NCO done or had the opportunity to do it? Because unfortunately, not the, all the NCOs have had the opportunities to, to, you know, work as an instructor or, or do something else. Um, if if I'm given advice and recommendation as part of, you know, doing that counseling as, you know, whether or not the NCO has the required experience or needs needs a, a key job in order to do it, you know, I see that as kind of you know, my my avenue to give input and say, hey, you know, staff sergeant or sergeant, I think you need to look for this and then your, your packet will, will be in a better position. That's great advice, sir. Uh, what types of training 
can a young enlisted NCO uh, benefit from when considering to pursue a career in the 351 might warrant officer military occupation specialty? If I already mentioned uh, source operations course, SOC, uh, defense strategic degree course, DISIC, or uh, defense advanced tradecraft course, uh, DATSI. Um, these advanced human training is very important um, for all soldiers and NCOs who are wanting to, you know, conduct a career in human. Um, SOC is a prerequisite for, for human warrant officers, so that has to be completed prior to submitting an application to, uh, to become a warrant. What are the most common mistakes made by applicants applying to the cohort, and how can they be avoided? The most common mistake uh, to me is assuming that when a soldier tries to obtain that letter of recommendation from, from that senior warrant officer for their packet, that it's a done deal. It's, it's, it's either been, it's just a rubber stamp or, you know, it, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. You know, that CW3 or higher senior warrant officer will make or break your packet. If you are missing a prerequisite or don't have the experience necessary to become a warrant officer, it's that senior warrant officer's duty and responsibility to be the honest broker for you. You know, they're the gatekeeper for the cohort. So they have to be prepared to say, hey, Sergeant so-and-so, you're missing this or you don't have enough, you know, leadership or training experience. And that that senior warrant officer has to be provides very specific guidance and recommendations like this is what you need to do in order uh, to obtain what you're la- what, what you may be lacking in, in that warrant officer's opinion. If, if anyone has any inkling or desire to become a warrant, they need to talk to a warrant officer that's somewhere in their unit or, or higher headquarters. Even if that warrant officer is CW2 or W01, they can provide tips or, um, and advice and help you connect with at least a senior warrant officer, a CW3 or higher reviewer file. That's critical. If that CW3 or higher asks you if you have talked to your, your, your warrant officer who you work for or who's in the same unit and you haven't, you know, oftentimes that that will kind of answer a lot of uh, critical questions as as in fact, are you really ready to become a warrant? You know, it's about building relationships. It's about connecting and, and getting that assistance and, you know, talking with someone who's done it before, uh, even if they can't do your letter, I think is critical to for any NCO looking to provide the best packet they can um, possibly do. Thank you, sir. When submitting a packet to the board, uh, what do board members value the most? And could you help us to describe the process that takes place when your packet is reviewed by the board? In my opinion, uh, the most important documents in order of importance are the senior warrant officer letter of recommendation, uh, the resume, and your your letter that you, you do as part of um, the packet as to why you want to become a warrant officer. As, sta- as I stated in, in the, my last response, the senior warrant officer is the gatekeeper and has to filter out those candidates who should not become a warrant officer. When your packet is submitted, it goes through a vetting process. 
Um, it will go to uh, what we call the ACME or the Office of the Chief of MI. ACME will look at to see if you, that NCO meets the established prerequisite standards. Um, the prerequisite standards, of course, are available on the Warrant Officer Recruiting website for, for each MOS and generally are not waiverable. So if you don't meet one of the, one of the requirements, um, you need to take a look at what you need to do in order to, to meet those requirements. If you have any waivers, such as time and service, time and grade, you know, a, a profile waiver, if you've been wounded in combat, that all has to be approved by, by Army G3. And again, your warrant officer recruiting website it gives very good information on the different types of waivers that are out there that you may need. Um, this takes time. It takes time. Um, if you have multiple waivers for, for a get to, uh, to go through and, um, and be looked at. Typically a packet will take 30 to 60 days uh, to go through the entire process even before it goes to the selection board um, where your packet is is actually looked at and evaluated completely. Um, that's why you'll see the deadlines on the uh, recruiting website as far as you know when the board is and, and when the packets are due. That's uh, all part of that process. Once an applicant is selected, how long do they attend Warrant Officer Candidate School, and how long is the training for the 351 Mike uh, Warrant Officer Specialty, sir? Once you're selected for uh, Candidate School, the course that you go to will be scheduled by your branch manager, uh, your, your career coach. Uh, the timing of, of, of walks depends on usually when the next seat available for, for Wobick or your Warrant Officer Basic course. Generally, you're going to attend WACs and Wobic right after the other. So, you know, you might graduate, you know, say at the end of March, and then um, your WOBC class, your Wobic class won't start till the 7th of April. So you get a week to travel. You generally will do this in a TDY status. So you'll go to TDY to WACs and, and TDY to Wobic. WACs is about five weeks long. Um, Currently, there is an extra week for in-processing and HHC. Again, um, the Warrant Officer Recruiting website has, has some good information on what to expect from um, at WACs and, and what you need to do for, for administrative requirements. And, of course, during this current pandemic, there is some uh, restriction of movement slash quarantine requirements, so that may add some time in Rucker. Right now, uh, the 351 by WOBC or WOBIC is it's 67 days long. It's a rigorous course, and it focuses on brigade and below echelons using automated and manual intelligence tools and methodologies. So the training that you will get, we will get focuses on developing problem solvers capable of providing advice in army human doctrine, management of human training, human collection processes, analysis, reporting, mission prioritization, tasking systems, um, threat tactics, TTPs, doctrine organization, our current U.S. collection systems, um, and the military decision-making process. Um, there's there's a capstone exercise that's integrated with the other intelligence disciplines that are that are attending. Um, so you're gonna you know work with the analysts. You're gonna work with the uh, the Novembers. You know with 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 CI, GON, all those folks. There's a lot of good information out there if you have access to IKN. Um, F4 Huachuca, ICO has really good information as far as 
you know, what to expect uh, from attending Wobick and some points of contact. Thank you, sir. What advice would you give to a newly selected NCO in your unit on how to prepare for Warrant Officer Candidate School and the Warrant Officer training they're about to conduct? You know, Candidate School is an officer producing a course. Uh, it prepares and coaches, teaches, mentors, and trains, advises, and counsels con- candidates preparing them to assume the responsibilities of a U.S. Army officer. You know, all Warrant Officers are considered officers. Walks has to identify those candidates who fail to achieve the academic, leadership, discipline, character, physical, and mental standards expected of an Army warrant officer. So, again, the Army warrant officer recruiting website has good information on, you know, what, what is expected at walks. It's vital that candidates pass the physical requirements, such as foot marches, foot marches or the PT test. The candidate, you, as the candidate, you have to come prepared and physically fit. Right now, the, the ACFT, ACFT is the test of record, and even prior to the ACFT, APFT failures were an ongoing recurring issue at walks. So be prepared to come to pass the ACFT. Land navigation. Land navigation also was a hurdle for some reason. If an NCO hasn't conducted land navigation in a while, then the candidate should be brushing up on those skills. For, for, uh, WOBC, I, I think it's vital to brush up on, you know, basic human doctrine and policy, as well as, uh, you know, MDMP, understanding FM 2.0, 3.0, and, you know, what the intelligence war function is. The, the candidate, well, at this time it's a, uh, warrant officer one, but the, the student will attend a, a common core integrated training where you know, the intelligence warfighting function will be covered and how the intelligence warrant officer provides input to maneuver commanders. For basic human doctrine and policy includes uh, base collection, interrogate, interrogation policy documents from um, Department of Defense, uh, Defense Human Publications, publications and, and so forth. If you don't have access to, to all of these documents, which, which most are classified, see your local human warrant officer. There are several sites available on Sipper, including an Army G2X reference site, which is excellent, and as well as, as at least uh, two combatant command sites sites on on Sippernet, um, which have both have an outstanding reference and policy section. Of course, at the end of your your Common Core and then your specific 351 mic training, there will be a digital capstone that will integrate all those um, intelligence disciplines into uh, a LISCO, a large-scale combat operations type of scenario. Once you have been trained and pinned on as a warrant officer, do you have any input on where you will be stationed? And what is the process for selecting a duty station? Yes, expect to go to a brigade combat team um, immediately for, for your first assignment. If there are assignment considerations such as EFMP or, you know, Married Army Couples Program, Please ensure that you're enrolled appropriately and your career manager, um, your career coach is aware. Assignments are managed directly by your career career manager coach. I am not one of them, and right now, you know, I can't tell you specifics as far as where you're going to go, um, but all Army officers are under the, you know, AIM 2.0 as our assignments management process. So I would expect 
personal input beyond, of course, EFMP or MACP uh, to be very minimal. Uh, your career coach may engage you on this topic, but don't but don't expect them to ask you. I, I generally let everyone know that it, it's it's going to be a force com BCT and to prepare for that. If there's any personal requests as far as a a division, a specific divi- division or specific duty station, always look to see hey what you know what what uh, force com elements, what brigades are there if applicable. And you may have a shot if you're asked for input. But again, because of the, the assignments process, which is very different from when I started, where I actually had some input, it, it is definitely something that as warrant officers, we're all trying to kind of kind of wrap our wrap our kind of heads around this process. Um, it's, it's fairly brand new. They're always making making changes and updates and, re- and recommendations. So uh, just be flexible. And and keep in mind that it may not be that first assignment, which may be desirable, but your your options will open up after you you complete that first assignment. When approaching your unit officer in charge or the senior warrant officer uh, for a letter of recommendation, what steps should an NCO take to position themselves in receiving a stellar letter of recommendation, sir? So, like we we talked about before. Um, once you get to the senior warrant officer, you know, you're not assuming that it's, this is a done deal. Have your information ready to go. So have your your NCOERs, your 1059s, you know, have them available, you know, either hard copies and soft copies available. I like looking at paper. I like making marks and stuff like that. Um, have that ready for that for that warrant officer. Um, have your resume ready. You know, a lot of these other documents are administrative in nature and not as important have your resume pre-built, you know, give them a copy of the resume, let them take a look at it. They, they should be making honest changes, um, recommendations, um, you know, on wording and, and, and stuff like that, you know, be prepared for that warrant officer to make phone calls, you know, especially if you have warrant officers that have been in your chain, your rating chain is your, either your uh, raider or senior raider, be prepared for for that senior warrant officer to, to call those warrant officers, ask for 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 feedback. If there's any personal or professional issues with one of them, let let that senior warrant officer know. Be prepared. Hey, you know me and me and so so had um, some some issues. You know it's it's not going to be a um, it's better to to be upfront with it. And then when whenever the feedback comes, sometimes you could be personal issues, but. You know, that, that, that warrant officer says, hey, I think this, this person, even though I disagree with them on whatever, for example, I think they still, still can be a good, good warrant officer. I think honest feedback really is honesty. Um, don't try to hide anything. Um, if they, if that senior warrant officer gives you a task or do out, then accomplish that with urgency. Say, hey, I need this or um, provide me the name of your last, you know, three OICs or whatever if they're, if they're not on your, your, uh, on your NCOERs. A good letter, letter of recognition will fo- should focus will focus on your technical acumen, so accomplishments, duties and responsibility, leadership capability, positions held, accomplishments. Are you a team player? Do you work well with others? I mean, these are the kind of things that the, the LOR has to address. You know, the letter is only going to be three or four paragraphs, so everything has to be condensed into something, you know, uh, that's going to be less than a page. Thank you for your advice. This is a two-part question. When creating your resume, what is the best way to highlight some of the skills you possess 
and what are the most critical skills to highlight? Furthermore, what are some of the most critical trainings to highlight? You know, the resume is, is a summary of your career, and you're given more room than your NCERs to emphasize your accomplishments. But do not give fluff. You know, expand on them. What was the so what? What were the positive effects of whatever you did? What levels were impacted? Uh, what level did you operate at? What other agencies and services did you work with? When you intended PME or human training, how did you do? Simply graduating is often not enough. Did you excel or you're recommended for advanced training? Did you make the commandant's list or were you in the honor grad? These are the type of things that which need to be highlighted. If you served time as a drill sergeant or as a recruiter, that's not a bad thing. But did you excel in these tough assignments? Did you show leadership um, and maturity? You know, put those in there as well. Just make sure you have the rec requisite human experience outside of those jobs. When, when evaluating your resume, your senior warrant officer should talk about that with you. Again, for, for, for to become a warrant officer, SOC is a prerequisite. Um, but don't forget to highlight those other courses that you may have attended in addition to. So uh, DISDIC, JHATSI, uh, you know, other human courses, put that in or this will all kind of, you know, build your training base, hey, you know, certifications base and combine that with the experience should complete your packet and give those on the board the chance to evaluate your, your resume and your potential to become a warrant officer. Thank you for that information, sir. What are some of the most important certifications and training experiences warrant officers should pursue in the course of their career in this warrant officer military occupation specialty and why? I think um, as far as certifications and training experiences, I think all warrants should should attend Defense Advanced Tradecraft course, DATSE. That is, to me, the, the most important advanced human level course that for, for humanters to, to attend. Um, there are a lot of, let's just say, assignments or opportunities um, for either special mission units or special operations forces available to you if you become you're a graduate of DATSE. Um, in a, a couple years, you know, DATSE will give you uh, an ASI. So th that, that's been a long time kind of coming, and I think that's only going to help. Um, it's not required to be on your, your uh, packet as an NCO. I understand that it's, it's very hard to get into, of course, depending on where, where um, you know, what units you were in and, and that so forth. So if you don't have it, you know, have no fear, not a deal breaker, but if you're given the opportunity to go as an NCO, you know, I would, I would take that opportunity. It's a tough course and only those who are truly capable of doing advanced level human will graduate. As a mentor in the cohort, what additional advice would you offer a potential applicant? You know, I, I love being a mentor. Um, I have had the the honor and privilege of having, you know, three or four different human staff sergeants who worked for me become warrant officers. And I, I think that is probably the, the best career accomplishment that I've been able to do. As as a person who wants to become a warrant officer, it's never too early to have that desire. You know, you can be a PFC and have this desire or a specialist or, hey, I just made sergeant, you know, but, you know, I see chief over there doing great things. How do I get to, you know, where, where, where she's at or how do I get to where he's at? So it's never too early to have that plan. You know, talk to the warrant officer, let them know, talk to your chief, you know, Hey ma'am, Hey sir, I really want some more information about, you know, what you've done, 
how you've gotten to this position, you know, how you interact, you know, ask questions, let them know your interest. Then they can help you. They, you know, as, as again, all warrant officers, our number one responsibility is to recruit our replacements. So we all have a critical role in, in identifying, you know, those soldiers who will take our places in the cohort. You know, if you know that you have to meet some prerequisites, so go to the Warrant Officer Recruiting website. Very good website, outstanding information on there that anyone can go to. Go there. You will see what you need to do in order to become a Warrant Officer, what prerequisites you need. Start working with your leadership now. Say, you know, I need, you know, I'd like to have an opportunity to, you know, to be an NCO, to be in a, you know, as an HGT leader or or something to give you the leadership experience that you need, you know, or it, it might be not just the leadership time or, or whatever. It might be, hey, then the next time that, I, you know, there's opportunity for, for someone to go to SOC or someone to go to DISDIC, I want to be on that list. You know, of course, as, 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 as all leaders should, and there should be, you know, critical analysis done on those soldiers to say, hey, are they right for these courses? Are they going to be have the potential? Are they capable of, of graduating? So, you you need to be an outstanding young human to you know. You know your job. You know your your ten level skills. Um, you, you need to not have any disciplinary issues. You know, to have the maturity. And then, you know, if you let them know, let your leadership know, I'm interested in, in attending these courses. Your leadership, if if they truly are are effective leaders again, should tell you what you need to do in order to either, you know, make the OML or how to perform. And, you know, this is what counseling's for. This is what career development is. They can't give you advice or recommendations on stuff that they don't know about. They don't know about your desire. And it's okay. It's okay to have this desire as a PFC, uh, as a specialist. Keep working. Keep doing your job. Focus on your tasks. Do the jobs to, to your, your best of your ability, whatever it is you're doing. Everything's important in some aspect. How you perform will will impact how people think about you. Ask questions. Ask as many questions as as, as you need, and and then go out look look for that information again. Go to the website. I think that's probably my biggest advice. Go to the website. You know, get get that basics the the, the base prereqs down that you're going to need, and then start working with your leadership and and how to attain those. Thank you for that advice, sir. Um, for our last question, uh, why should I choose to be a warrant officer as opposed to becoming a first sergeant or a sergeant major or perhaps even a commissioned officer? You know, I, I think this is probably the the most important question. Um, I'm kind of glad you waited until the end to ask this. It's kind of my closing part of this interview. And a lot of people don't really know what a warrant officer does if, if they're not they don't work in a branch or MOS that has warrants um, you know that's you get all the jokes about being unicorns or or whatever and you know not all MOSs have warrant officers in there um, a warrant officer has a very specific role in the army they are the technical subject matter expert in their field so it could be in transportation it could be logistics PBO you know, it, it, there, there's varied warrant officers, allied trades, mechanics, you know, they all have warrant officers who are the subject matter experts in their field. You know, senior warrant officers just have a mysterious ability to get things done. 
because they're trusted by their senior leadership to give them the best possible recommendations based on their experience. And a warrant officer is given that time to perform in their OS and become the technical expert. You compare that to, say, a commission officer who has to be a generalist in their branch, and they're not, often not given the same amount of time and experience in that particular MOS. Um, so, like, for for example, for the MI Corps, you have an officer who's, you know, basic 35 alpha, who has to know a little bit about all source, they have to know a little bit about signals intelligence, they have to know a little bit about geo, uh, geospatial intelligence, maybe counterintelligence, and then you got human in there. So, you know, there's there's a lot in there, and each of these disciplines have very specific technical um, things that the the warrant officers, it's their job to, to know this stuff. So you, you compare that, say, to the NCOs, and NCOs are, are extremely important. They are the bedrock of the MI Corps in general. But I would say typically once an NCO kind of makes sergeant first class, there starts to become a divergence where a sergeant first class starts spending more time in, in kind of general leadership positions, such as being a platoon sergeant or a section NCOIC, instead of working their specific MOS. You know, and you have sergeant first classes who 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 have the opportunity to, you know, be a, a NCOIC, you know, in that MOS and they're still working that, but as a platoon sergeant, that, that's often you're often dealing with a lot of things that are that are outside of the MOFs. As that platoon sergeant becomes, you know, first sergeant or mass sergeant, they start to become focused more on you know the NCO aspect of of you know the army and being a leadership, and not necessarily so much on hey human intelligence or hey signals intelligence, you know, working that job exclusively, you know. As a first sergeant, sergeant major, that NCO was a senior enlisted advisor to the commander. So they look beyond MOSs. So there might be all of the soldiers in the company or all the soldiers in the in the battalion or being that advisor, you know, say as a as an operations sergeant major to to the S3 as far as your training, how we best do training, how we best do operations, you know, again, there, it's not focused on that MOS. Only the warrant officer allows the service member the time and the job assignments to focus exclusively in that MOS. And warrant officer, you're still a leader. You're still a trainer of soldiers. And then, in my opinion, it combines the, you know, the best attributes of being an NCO and a commission officer. You know, if a soldier wants to be a colonel you know, or general or sergeant major, there are paths for that. And, and there are critical roles in the army and you know they they should be given the opportunity to you know um become the sergeant major or you know become become a colonel um, but if the soldier wants to work exclusively in the field of human intelligence for the rest of their career and then quite honestly becoming a thrifty one mike human warrant officer technician that's that's the only path available so I, I, I think that's that's probably a, a, a good way to to end this interview. Again, I'd like to to thanks thank you for the opportunity to provide some input. And if there's one thing to take away from all of this, everything I said is do your research and talk to your, your local warrant officer. Talk to them about what they're do, what they do, and, and if you have any inkling or desire to become a warrant officer, talk to them about what you can do or what you need to do in order to improve further. 
Chief Delgado, thank you so much for the privilege of your time today. Uh, we appreciate all the insight and information you've shared with us today. For those of you listening out there who are considering a career as a human intelligence warrant officer or 351 Mike, I have only one thing to say, go warrant now.